There will be spoilers ahead. Lots of spoilers, so be careful, won't you? Stalking through the mist, there was a podcast. The most awesome podcast ever known in the entire history of awesomeness! <laughs> Helming the show were two warriors for whom the words steel-toed boots meant nothing! <laughs> Reeking of breathtaking stunningness! These two, Master Max Mink and Master Mike Meerkat, strode into the airwaves, brandishing their razor-sharp blades of wit and wisdom! Twin blades that worked together to slice arcs of astonishing stupendousness through the villainy of flaccid films and middling movies! No transgressor of the cinema could stand when Max and Mike declared their declarations of might! Weak directors quivered with fright. Bad actors quailed with keening, quailing howls. When they were through, the very pillars of heaven shook, and they proclaimed themselves. They pro- They- Well, they were pretty cool! Take my <laughs> word for it. No! No, really! Hey, uh, come back! I- I was just getting started. I was just getting starting on another episode of Max Mike Movies. Oh, we jest. Trust me, we we jest. Whew, I'm feeling a little dizzy there. Wrapped up. Anyway, we're smack in the middle of the series, but an incredible simulation. And this week, we're really animated. And so is the movie we're delving into, Kung Fu Panda. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> we jest. See, I told you. This film would indeed rouse a simulacrum a few years later, but uh, we'll get into that at the end of the episode. Your host... Well, uh, well, we did all that. Still, say something awesome, Max! I have to be a mink? I don't want to be a mink. Minks are are obnoxious. They're horrible. Every time you see a nature documentary, the mink's got his teeth in the jugular of some other animal. And then eventually, I get anally electrocuted and made into a coat? Um, and your point? Nothing. I was just pointing, making sure people knew that. I, I intend to be anally electrocuted and made into a coat. That's, that's in my will. Wow, this show took a weird turn. Uh, <laughs> but we got to shove aside that awesomeness. Oh, yeah, I'm Mike. So we can get to something even more awesome. Your yes. answers to our... Poll question. If you recall, last episode, we asked you to tell us what movie's product placement coke was so blatant it took you right out of the story, Pepsi. <laughs> you had these to say. <clears throat> Dave gave us, quote, obviously the patented pregnancy test in Godzilla versus Space Godzilla. The makers of that test were a plaintiff, and we argued that the commercial success of their product was due to advertising and not due to the patented features of the test. I am only half making this up. As my boss tells the story, he asks a witness in deposition, so was Godzilla pregnant? End quote. Was Godzilla pregnant? Well, we do get Son of Godzilla, but it seems to have been a virgin birth. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Wow. So he actually... This is the uh, pregnancy test in the Matthew Broderick genre no Godzilla movie? Because please tell me there isn't another Godzilla movie that actually involves a pregnancy test. Um, I don't oh, Lord. <laughs> I'm betting that there's none in the Japanese I bet there movies, isn't. but there you go. Mm. Anyway... Ben Schleiss was next with, quote, Blade 3 is the first one to pop into my head. It was the iPod, uh, and they were constantly messing yep. with it. Pre-Deadpool pre Ryan Reynolds wouldn't start a fight until he put in the earbuds. Listening to your iPod and fighting vampires with swords, that's all I can remember of that movie, end quote. 
Huh. That's a good point, except I have to point out, it was actually Jessica Biel who used the iPod. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is simply the exposition who explains why she's going into battle with earbuds in. Wait, we literally have somebody mansplaining product placement? Yep. Wow. Well, still, good safety tip. No iPods and sword fights. Thanks, Ben. Adam Mark wrote, quote, Hocus Pocus 1993. After the kids kill the witches, the first time, they retreat to Max's and Danny's house. Allison opens a spell book, inadvertently revealing their location to the witches. But in the interim, they read that salt can repel witches. Allison continues to fret about the dead witches, so Max goes to the kitchen. Not not him, one in the movie. Max goes to the kitchen to get her some salt. Opening the cabinet, there's several six-packs of 7-Up right in front. Uh. He reaches around them to get the salt, and then moseys off to the film's climax. Sigh. Wow. Why would you keep 7-Up in an unrefrigerated cabinet? Even assuming one bought in bulk, why would you break it up and put separate six-packs in the cabinet? Yeah. It's just so odd and jarring. So obviously product placement. Even my 10-year-old self picked up on it in the movie theater. Capitalism sucks. <laughs> End quote. Warm 7-Up. Yuck. <laughs> Thanks, Sud- Suddenly I'm hungry for dead witches. I bought salt. <laughs> salt is salty. Val, Q Footsteps Coon, said, quote, I can't think of any that actually took me out of the movie. Typically for me, if they're really obvious, the movie tends to be pretty bad overall, and that's just one more nail in the coffin. Usually when I see a Budweiser on a bar or Nike on someone's feet, I clock it and move on. It's actually hilarious in Wayne's world. When I found out that some productions actually pay companies to show their products instead of the other way around, e.g. the big Coca-Cola sign in Strictly Ballroom, I realized it's kind of a complicated factor of movie making, end quote. Well, good thoughts, Val, but yeah. Interesting. Yeah. See our entire episode on Strictly Ballroom. I think. (laughs) Yes. Agatha, did we? Yes, we did. Okay. It's 253 episodes (laughs) before this one, so yeah. Agatha Gasparoni's response was, quote, basically everything in the first Transformers movie. Oh, boy. General Motors cars were used for the Autobots and Fords were used for the Decepticons. Not that I was brought out of the movie very much because of it, but it was obvious almost to a hilarious degree. End quote. Ah, GM, we've been watching you since the early Bond movies. (laughs) Thanks, Agatha. That's a good example. Well, there's an entire car chase in Live and Let Die and every single car is a Chevy (laughs) on the highway. And it's like, uh... Did somebody just rob a dealership? Now entering Chevy zone. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, Charles Forsyth. Quote, I have two answers. Number one, in the early 2000s, voice over IP, or VOIP, became a mainstream technology and network gear company Cisco jumped in big time. I know a lot about this because I worked in the field at the time. The market for VOIP equipment is crowded, and Cisco has to work hard to keep its market share. So almost every time someone answers their fancy VOIP phone in a movie, you will see Cisco written on the bottom of the handset. (laughs) You won't see this on any actual products, but in movies, they put the logo in a clearly visible spot. Mm. Every time I see that, it sticks out to me. Number two, the first answer I came up with comes from two different movies in movies. In each case, the producers of the fictional film inside the real film are desperate for money and get some extra cash with very poorly thought out product placement. My favorite is from the cult comedy And God Spoke. As a desperation move, one of the producers gets a product placement deal from Coca-Cola. As a result, we see Moses descend Mount Sinai (laughs) carrying two stone tablets and a six-pack of Coke. (laughs) I bring you an elixir from God! (laughs) 
Another great moment is from the movie State in Maine. In this film, the producers are making a movie that takes place in the 1800s. Their desperation move is to get a product placement from a dot-com company called Bazoomer.com. How to work this into a movie that takes place in the 19th century? They work it into a scene where you see a horse-drawn wagon in the background that inexplicably has the name Bazoomer.com painted on the side in old-timey letters, end quote. Uh, Bazoomer. A name you can trust. That nah, pronounce. <laughs> Thanks, Charles. That was all great. Lastly, we swing by the website to wee to hear from that tamer of Canadian wildlife, Wild Vince. He scrawled in the snow, quote, I notice product placement a lot, but normally can jump back into the film. But in Man of Steel, I remember uh-huh. being really annoyed by it, maybe because there were so many things to be annoyed by in this movie. Yeah. My best friend, Penguin Wrangler, Walrus Rider, and Curling Champion, Kevin Klein, also feels the same, end quote. Oh, oh um, you don't mention that name, it's Max <laughs> Oh, thanks. I thanks. say again, hey. <laughs> well, how about you, Max? I mean, besides those in last week's <laughs> what are your most egregious oh, boy. product placements? There are so many. I, go with, I, I agree with the Transformers one. That really bugged me. But uh, speaking... As you know, if it's a bad movie, it's more obvious. It was yeah. one fairly recent. Oh, yes, in um, Moonfall. <laughs> yeah, do not do not see our entire episode. <laughs> oh no, see our episode. Do not see the movie. But oh, yes. uh, there are all these references to Kaspersky antivirus. Oh yeah, it's on the shuttle. It's at NASA. It there's a billboard. It's all over the place, and all I'm thinking of is wow. Now I'm convinced Kaspersky would be the worst antivirus product to buy. <laughs> well, it's also not even an, a word that just, like, falls off your tongue. No. It's a word that grabs your tongue, twists it around, shoves it back in your mouth, and then goes, nye, 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 boo, boo. The fact is, most consumers don't know Kaspersky. It's not the, one of the big it. names. It is one of the better ones, except people don't buy it now because it's made in Russia, and you have to wonder. Well, it also is made with Kaspersky. It, 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 real, 100% real Kaspersky. I don't want Kaspersky in my computer. <laughs> of course you do. It's good for you. What's all the gears get all gummed up. <laughs> what about you? What, what's, the, what's your uh, biggest product placement complaint? Well, you're going to have to go back quite a ways. And it's the first one I think I remember seeing except for Liver Let Die. And it's like, oh. they're all Chevy. Oh. They're not even different models. They're only different colors. It's like they're all Chevy and bottles. But, before, but after that... Godzilla 1985. There's oh, God, yeah. And now, to be fair, this product placement is only in the American version, yeah. in the um, army base yep, or yep. whatever. There are two army officers, and they're talking, and they walk they take a turn into a hall and we're watching them come at us and right smack dab in the middle of the screen in the background is a well-lit Dr. Pepper machine. And if I remember correctly, one of them's even drinking Dr. Pepper. Somebody uses the machine at least once in the movie. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, But it's like the way it's, it's, it's one army officer on the left hand side of the screen, one army officer on the right hand side of the screen. Framing the machine. (laughs) It's just like really, yeah. really, and to this day, I have never felt that I needed to drink Dr. Pre- I've drank. <laughs> but yeah, that's that one for me was just, even in 1985, just made me go, come on. Let's just get to the Raymond Burr. That's why I'm here. So right? Yes, yes, I see. <laughs> well, that's all well and good. Your answers were great, <laughs> but will they be as great as the ones you offer for this next poll question? Mm-hmm. Yes! <laughs> well, you, we- you just gave yourself a hernia, didn't you? I, I heard a little. <laughs> We'd like to know, who is your all-time favorite 
animated character? Ah. And if there's a specific film for them, which one? We'll get to ways you can respond at the end of the show, but first, we have to get to the middle of the show. The facts. Budget, or I actually think it's a French word, it's bouger. <laughs> no, it isn't. Hey, it took me 253 episodes to do that. <laughs> 130 million. Boy. But uh, don't cry. This was the third highest grossing film of 2008, <laughs> bringing in 630 million. <laughs> yeah. Dang. If only they. Yeah. Hey, I wonder why they didn't make any sequels. Oh, wait. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Ever the perfectionist, Dustin Hoffman would only sign if his contract allowed him additional recording sessions if he deemed them necessary. He also did some mentoring with Jack Black for their big scene at night on the stairway. Huh. Yeah. Okay. There's a big question about whether this movie constituted cultural appropriation and whether it was considered respectful of said culture or not. As it turns out, because of the immense amount of research they did, the Chinese government's own cultural bodies were both impressed and confused as to why their country wasn't producing animated movies of similar quality. This has since changed. Yeah, so... All the fighting styles of the Furious Five are based on real kung fu styles, oh, yeah. which are, in turn, based on animals. Pose is bear style. Yep. I guess there's a lot of sitting in bear style. <laughs> it's a lot of eating. And you have to say skadoosh yep. at least once. Yep. Noodles, don't noodles. It was James Hong's own background that influenced that of his character, Mr. Ping, Poe's dad. Seems Hong's father owned a noodle shop, oh. so that background was added to the film. Oh, Isn't that delightful? That's great. I mean, oh, I everything about James Hong is James Hong so. is a god. He is. Jack Black's insight changed Poe's character as well. Originally just an obnoxious, obsessed fan, Black bent the character so that while still an obsessed fan, he was also much more self-aware about his own shortcomings. Tai Lung is kept in Chor Gom Prison, which, when translated, works out to be Go to Prison Prison. <laughs> Where he served a lot of shrimp, shrimp scampi, no doubt. I, I'm sh huh? Scampi is Italian for shrimp. Oh. So <laughs> shrimp scampi is shrimp shrimp. Oh, so we can also say chai tea. Exactly. I'm sorry. Yeah. The name Shifu translates as teacher or master, and Ugwe translates as tortoise. Oddly, Tai Lung translates as great dragon. Oh. Poe's name was chosen to reference Master Poe from TV's Kung Fu, oh. though that one had no panda. Yeah. Jackie Chan, who doesn't have a particularly big part, and we'll be getting to that, was able to record all his lines in one five-hour session. This would include his dialogue for the English, Mandarin, and Cantonese versions. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't have a lot of lines. No. In the real-world TM, the Snow Leopard, which is what Tai Lung's mm. character is, hunts both pandas and red pandas. Mm. And my guess is it's actually very good yeah, at it. Probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. Never wants to throw anything away. The animators who created the wolves in the opening sequence would use them as the wolf army in Kung Fu Panda uh. 2, and the crocodile, Kai, mm -hmm. would be the villain in Kung Fu Panda 3. Besides the two movie sequels, this movie spun off three TV series as well. Mm. Kung Fu Panda Legends of Awesomeness, Kung Fu Panda The Paws of Destiny, and Kung Fu Panda The Dragon Knight. There is supposedly a Kung Fu Panda 4 film scheduled for 2024 release. Yeah. Do you have any uh, trivia you know about, Max? I think you've covered most of it. Nothing, nothing at all? Nothing pops to mind? Mm. Uh, 
Nope. I'm not no. at all. Uh, I'm not. I'm not stalling or anything. <laughs> no, no, nothing. Uh, I think you think you covered it. The rest of the stuff okay. is just sort of uh, organic to the conversation. Oh, so we hope. Yeah. Well, all of that and so so much less. But now we need to get to the plot. Somewhere and somewhen in China, there is a panda named Po, one who dreams of being a kung fu hero like his idols, the Furious Five. But those are only dreams, as he is the son of a noodle soup maker. It seems his future will truly follow a path of... noodles. But high on the mountain, overlooking the village in which Poe lives, the Furious Five and their master, Shifu, hear a dire prediction by their master, Ugwe, that the villainous Tai Lung, once a student at their school in the Jade Palace, might soon escape, disrupting the peace of the entire valley. Determined to head off this eventuality, Shifu sends a messenger to the prison in which Tai Lung is kept to tell them to double the guard, spit polish the boots, and otherwise look lively. Meanwhile, Ugwe, sensing his own approaching demise, decides that it is time to select the Dragon Warrior, the one destined to defeat Tai Lung and bring peace back to the valley. A ceremony is whipped up, and Po wants to be the first in line. His father has other plans and instead sends him to sell noodles. Barely making it to the mountaintop, Poe collapses just as the gates are closed and the ceremony begins. Unwilling to miss the kung fu happening of the millennium, Poe concocts a way to vault himself over the wall. Sadly, this fireworks-imbued method literally backfires and he flies into the sky, only to come down directly in front of Master Ugwe as he's pointing to the one who will become the Dragon Warrior! Declaring that there are no mistakes and that this choice was decided by the powers of the universe, the responsibility falls on Shifu's shoulders to either train Po, a big fat panda, to become the dragon warrior and receive the wisdom of unlimited power <laughs> from the dragon scroll, or to find some other way to stop Tai Lung. Tai Lung, because of the very messenger sent, has found a way to escape prison and come back to wreak revenge on those who'd done him wrong, mainly his adoptive father, Shifu. But can a big fat panda truly learn to become worthy of the dragon scroll? Can the Furious Five stand in the way of the awesome might of Tai Lung? And can Shifu confront his greatest failure while helping Poe face his own? Watch and see, young grasshopper. The film. Plink, plink. <laughs> plink. You know, the Sambasins, <laughs> those little three string instruments. Oh. That's Japanese, but that's okay. Well, I'm sure they like <laughs> them in China, too. They, sure. So, Max, yeah. you saw this in 2008 when it came I out, did. didn't you? I did, indeed. And do you remember your reaction? I know it's a long time ago. I loved it. Yeah. I, well. and, by, and this was, I think, one of the first DreamWorks movies that I went, oh, my God, this is really good. I mean, no offense to Shrek, which came out years before. Uh, I, I'll just say this right now. I like Shrek. I think it's fun. I don't think it's brilliant. I don't think it's, I don't think it's as good as this. Yeah. And I think that a lot of things that make us laugh in Shrek are cultural references. Yeah. There's a lot of pop culture stuff in there. And so that's actually a lot of, I remember when I was in film school and I was taking an animation class and the, the uh, guy was running the class actually had an academy nominated short oh, wow. and he showed it to us it was claymation and there was one scene one little clip in there of a character doing the staying alive thing from um saturday night fever mm -hmm. and he said he's always regretted that scene because it instantly dates 
Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's right. It would. So when you do pop culture references like that, you're dating yourself. Yeah. You're also saying to like future viewers, if you don't get this, it's not funny. <laughs> so yeah, I agree. I also just thought that the character design in Shrek was um, unappealing. Yeah. I thought it worked for the type of story it was, and you could tell it was kind of based on the that kid's book. But the William Stein yeah. book, yeah. Called but, uh, Shrek, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the character design in this is so amazing. And the backgrounds, this is just a beautiful movie to look at. It is a beautiful movie. And there's obviously, you know, I read that they did months and months of research into Chinese culture. Um, they actually took a, this I was like not that impressed by, they took a six-hour kung fu class <laughs> to learn oh. about how things move. It's like, okay. uh, that's enough for you to say hello. Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, okay, here's how you stand. Yeah. Come back next week. But to be fair, it's six hours more kung fu than I've yeah, had. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I remember thinking it was really beautiful. I like most of the character designs. I'm still not thrilled with Shifu's, but everybody else's I found really interesting and cool. There's actually a guy named Nico Marlette who do, is responsible for pretty much all the character design in this, and he's a brilliant character designer. Yeah. But what, um, one of the interesting things I thought was they, did, they chose specifically not to make the female characters... They well they they don't have boobs. Yeah, that's right. They they're, they don't humanize them that much, that way. No. I mean, they no. are anthropomorphic. At least some of them are. I mean, vipe. A lot of them aren't. The ti tigress is. Yeah. But the others just look like animals. Pretty much. Then we get to, well. I mean, technically, and Tai Long. Kung Fu. Well, Poe looks like a panda, yeah. but they don't tend to move like no, that. No, no. But mostly they, they um, mostly they sit. Yes. <laughs> mostly they sit and they eat bamboo, and that's about it. Well, we usually like to talk about the cast. In this case, yeah. it's a little different because it's a voice cast. Hope we can do that. Uh, now, Jack Black, mm -hmm. who carries, I'm going to go with 90% of the film. He carries a lot of it, although I will say I got to give, we, I, when we get to him, I got to give props to Dustin Hoffman. Yep. But I, I want to say that the first film I saw him in was either, I think it was, it was actually High Fidelity. Okay. And I'd never heard of him, yeah. and I was like, you know, this guy's obnoxious, but his his energy, and especially his, his obvious passion for music, go a long way. Yeah. And I saw him in a couple of other things that didn't involve music, and I didn't like him as much, uh, although I did like him in School of Rock a lot. School of Rock is terrific. Here? Wow. I mean, part of me is like, how come almost none of the characters are actually voiced by Chinese people or people of Chinese descent? Well, two of them are. Yeah. Two. <laughs> well, no, excuse me. Uh, two. Four. Who's the? Who are the other two? Uh, well, James Hong well, and Randall Duck he's Kim. Well, that's he's Red, Korean. Lucy Liu. She's the other. And three. Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan is Hong Kong. Yeah, but he's Chinese. Um, <clears throat> he's Chinese. Come on. Uh, say that to somebody from Hong Kong and see how uh, far that gets you. All right. So technically, from mainland China uh, or mainland China descent, we have James Hong and Lucy Liu. And to be fair, as far as I know, Lucy Liu was born here. I don't know if that's and true. She was. So, the uh, uh, Randall Duck Kim is Korean. Uh, so, yeah. Eh. But Jack Black, I think, does a terrific job. Yeah. We have all met this fan of something, right? Absolutely. I, I one of my favorite moments, and it, just in terms of comedy, is when he is fanboying out in the Hall of Heroes mm -hmm. and running around and looking <laughs> at all, all the trophies. By the way, and that's a little ironic, there are all these trophies in there, and later Shifu tells him flat out, the only trophies we collect are broken bones and bloody knuckles. 
It's like, um, that's not true, is it? Well, maybe they changed the tradition now. Yeah, yeah. But I love when he's just like, I've only ever seen paintings of this painting. (laughs) (laughs) And he's just literally shrieking as he's running around. It's like, we all know this guy. We've all seen this guy. You're so much bigger than your action figures. Oh, except except for you, Mantis. Mantis, You're pretty much the same size. (laughs) (laughs) So I think he is infectious. I would say his voice yeah. work is infectious and his energy. And again, I only did the opening of the show kind of like him. It's tiring. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah. The thing is I, that you pointed out, I, th- I think is really, it was really a good move the way he changed the characterization because you could see Poe being awful. Yeah. If he just, cause he does the whole, Oh yeah, I'm really good at Kung Fu. Yeah, sure. I'm just, you know, I just ate my Kung Fu. Isn't maybe as strong. If that and you get the feeling that could have been the entire character, yeah, but it isn't because no. once you get past and that's that even that layer isn't very deep. No, you get past it and he's like, even uh, God, it's so heartbreaking when he's talking to Shifu, and he's saying every time you threw a brick at my head or or say I smelled or called me fat, it hurt, but nothing hurt as much as being me every day. Yeah. That like, was really ouch. Good. I I definitely want to get back into the character mm. later. Um, yeah, yeah. We're still doing the voice. I really want to talk about, but yeah. we have some other performers yeah. here. Uh, I want to go with like I try to go in order of the people who had the most to actually do. So let's okay. bring in Dustin. Boy, yeah. did not expect to see Dustin Hoffman doing a cartoon. No, I got to say, look, Dustin Hoffman. Say what you will is one of the great film actors of the last hundred years. Guy's an Oscar winner. He's done some amazing stuff. And he's done Mr. Magorium's Magical Emporium. That, too. He's also done some absolute crap. There is no question. But honestly, most of my life, I don't like him much. I can't say why, except part of it is he's one of those huge method actors. Yep. We all know the story of him and Laurence Olivier. Yep. But but by all means, just say the last line. When he, he, Dustin Hoffman's described this horrifying process he's gone through to get into character, and Olivier just looks at him and says, "Dear boy, wouldn't it have been simpler just to act?" <laughs> that that does sum him up. But yeah. this is honestly, everyone talks about his roles. You know, Ratso Rizzo in Midnight Cowboy and Raymond in Rain Man. This is my favorite Dustin Hoffman performance. I think he's terrific, and it's the most likable he's ever been. <laughs> I wonder if part of that isn't because we can't see him. No, I don't. I don't think so. I think it's the way he's talking. I love the way he shifts from like the very formal tones you know, and the growly to you know, he said just the little things like Poe, you're alive, or we're both dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or just when he says, wow, when, when he says, you defeated Tai Lung, really? Wow. Yeah. yeah. He, I mean, he's mostly the straight man for the film. Mm-hmm. And he does a very good job. At that is a thankless job. Yeah. He's not only the straight man, but there's actually, especially when he's talking to and about to lose his master, Master Ugwe, mm. there's a lot of emotion there. Oh, but that's it's not over the scene. top. No. Even the fact that we're watching a character die. Yep isn't really it it's somehow mitigated it's not traumatic yeah but it is apps but it is so moving and so touching i'm gonna to jump ahead to 
boy, one of my two favorite characters in the film, James Hong. Hmm? Let's oh. face it, James Hong makes every film better. Yep. yep. I, if you're I, having trouble with your film, get James Hong. He the the excitement and energy in his voice, you can actually even <laughs> though it's painfully obvious to everybody in the film except Poe yep. that this goose is not his father. <laughs> you can see where the energy for him came from. I hate jumping ahead to the sequels, but there's a little bit in the second movie where Poe finds out he's adopted and he's telling Tigress and he's so distraught. He's, it turns out I'm adopted. He's not my real father. And Tigress just looks at him and goes, He's not your real father. Yeah, the goose is not your real father. It's like, and she's still very it's like that. Must have been very upsetting to find. <laughs> but James Hong's just awesome. Yeah, he's, he's you had the noodle dream. Yeah, and like they have the duck when his eyebrows are are way yeah. up, his eyes are open, and he's grinning and nodding. And it's like that, even though it's the animation part, it's still coming through from James Hong's voice. He's a delight. I love James yeah. Hong. He is. I want to talk about him more later in terms of the plot. but Yeah, Randall Duck Kim as Ugwe is, quite honestly, probably my favorite character. I, yeah, I can see that. The only problem is he's not. we don't get much from him. He's not there very long. But you understand why. Yeah. If he was there, there would be no crisis because you know, he beat Tai Lung with one punch or one nerve strike the last time. He wouldn't be a threat. He, he moved his little claws and did yeah, little, a little bit. points. Yeah. <laughs> and here's the only problem I have with the voices in this film. Oh, well, let's do Ian McShane, because Ian McShane has somewhat of a part, and he's oh, yeah. a lot of fun. He is. He's uh, having a great time. He is so tell. full of himself. And, he, yep. and it's, even when he gets down to this, how can you, a big fat panda, be the dragon <laughs> warrior? And he's just like, yeah. oh, my God, is he chewing the scenery? scenery. And just it, the, what are you going to do, big guy? Sit on me? Yeah, I might. <laughs> if you've ever seen him anything, what was that, that detective show he did? Lovejoy. Lovejoy. Like... That Ian Machine and this Ian Machine, not the same guy at all. You wouldn't know it was him. I, when I saw his name in the credits, I was like, really? Yeah. The first time? I couldn't believe it. And he is both deadly serious and really fun. I don't yeah. know how he does it, but he is. But the big problem I'm talking about with the rest of the voices is it is literally and the rest. And the names that are in here are like, why are you wasting these people? Um, Jackie Chan. Yeah, Jackie Chan. Well, um... Let's be honest. We don't hire Jackie Chan for his speaking voice. We ju you just don't. He's there for his physicality. and But the bits, they're very smart. They give him very short pieces because when he speaks, he can get a lot of energy and a lot of emotion into it, even though he's approximately 740 years old now. Well, that's He fine. still, by the way, could beat up any 10 people you want. But yeah. I, but Angelina Jolie, she does a perfectly fine I think job. She does a really nice, I think she does a great job, but I don't know why they wanted her. Right. Except well, she has this great... I'm sorry. If a female tiger could talk, I think it would sound like Angelina Jolie. I, part I no of me wondered if a lot of this wasn't sort of stunt casting. Let's get these Maybe. names. Because they really don't... They. It's not that their characters don't have some impact in the movie. They just, like again, probably did their bit in five hours, and that was it. It's one of the big distinctions between DreamWorks and Pixar is DreamWorks is famous for doing celebrity voice casting yeah. and doing stunt casting. And Pixar does not do it that much. No. And guess what? Doesn't yeah. matter. Hey, yeah. that yeah. being said, 
Hmm. Would I want somebody else other than Jack Black in that role? No. No, no. Absolutely. Or, or actually, Ian McShane, Dustin I Hoffman. I wouldn't want some. D- Dustin Hoffman. No. Nope. Or uh, James Hong, no. I don't no. ever want anybody but James Hong in the role no James Hong plays. No one may ever replace James Hong, ever. Uh, Randall the Kim. Yeah. Again, my favorite character. Lucy Liu is the Viper. Yeah, you she's almost, she's so sweet. She brings this, and, and it is her voice that does it. Yeah, but she's only got five lines, like yeah, almost nothing. Yeah, uh, David Cross's crane is fine when he talks, but yeah, also five six lines. I mean, let's face it though, Michael Clark Duncan kind of stands out just because he's Michael Clark Duncan. Well, he's got that awesome basso profundo voice. I know. You li- I mean, this any the only problem with Michael Clark Duncan doing voiced work is whenever he speaks you go oh that's michael clark duncan yeah it's so he's so recognizable it kind of works against him but he's got this buttery voice from the depths yep (laughs) yes but he's also he can be so cute when he wants to be yeah can we run away now (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) there's other people in this but quite honestly there's such small parts it's not even worth no matter what the film is fun yeah, right. It's a lot of fun. I mean, whether it's still fun or not, that's what comes to the end of the film, uh, the end of the show, because we'll yep. see. But yeah, the main, the leads in here were well chosen, even if they're not necessarily culturally correct, but they're well chosen. And the nice thing is, is that they don't do anything that feels in any way demeaning to Chinese culture. It just feels like, oh, this takes place in China, so this is how they do things. And it, I will say, it did really make me want either some noodles or dumplings because mm. I really like noodles and dumplings. Suddenly, I really wanted dumplings. They look yeah, good. I love dumplings. <laughs> yeah. And and it's a real spe- it speaks to the animation that the dumplings looked really good. Yeah. You know, the, <laughs> I was like, mm, I bet those are tasty. Wait, is that product place? No. <laughs> Say, Dumpling all, all, Co. All these characters and stuff. I did not know there were rhinos in China. Did you know that? I did not know that. There aren't. Oh, okay. <laughs> They're all native to Africa. I was all, whatever. I, 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 <laughs> I'm glad they didn't just stick to like the Chinese zodiac. That would have been a little obvious. That would have been much. Because yeah. I, I don't know. Were you born under the sign of the goose? Or was that no, me? I can't remember. I think, no, I, I'm, I'm under the... What? I was born under the... Laverne, you were born under the sign. I of was Laverne? born under the sign of the rabbit. I'm sorry. Oh, that's hey, that's a. I was a snake. I'm a bunny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this might take a little bit. So I kind of wanted sure. you wanted to come back to character anyway. And I definitely wanted to. Yeah. So what? What most do you want to talk about character? Uh, one of the things is, this is one of the reasons it real. This movie really worked for me when it first came out. Um, it's so nice to see a fat hero. Mm. And that not only do, he stays fat, the mm-hmm. ju- he he gets in great in better shape. He learns kung fu, but he as he says, "I'm not a big fat panda. I'm the big fat panda." <laughs> it's a great line, and it's really nice to see that. Even yes, him being fat is the punchline of a lot of the jokes, but it also points out that how much of that is his, is pain for him, mm-hmm. and and how unhappy it makes him. And I, you know, I sympathize with that. I am, but it's, that's kind of me. And the, the other thing, too, is that, let's face it, who wants to see a skinny panda? It would look un- really unnatural and creepy. I mean, one of the things that they do in this film, and this is not new, but they do very well, is 
taking a weakness and making it a strength. Mm-hmm. So he's motivated by food. As soon as Shifu figures out, it's like, oh, now I know how to train him. Yeah, up to that w- point, even like, when he fights, he yeah. real he uses his size, his mass. Hell, he hits Tai Lung with his belly. That's one of his finishing moves. Yep. Well, and then at one point they're chasing after the dragon scroll. He's trying to keep it away from Tai Lung, and he's trying to figure out how. Oh my God, it's got away from me. Oh, I'll just picture it as an almond cookie, and mm-hmm. now everything makes sense to him. Yep. It's basically a film about self-realization and understanding yeah. yourself really well, learning to accept yourself, and learning how to use yourself. Uh, the best to defeat your foes with Kung Fu. Uh, well, but, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing for me, and it, I didn't realize this the first time I watched it. Mm-hmm. There's three characters in this film that are separate characters, but could who also represent the same character at different points in their life. Poe is the young version, Shifu is the middle version, and Ugwe is the version that they're all oh. aiming to get to. Yeah. And by looking at those three characters, we actually can p- kind of pick apart the life of Ugwe himself, the most mysterious character in the film, and realize to some extent what it must have been like for him to go through this journey and where it's leading. And in a way, that's Sting. really kind of pleasing. Yeah. Because there's an elegance he, to that. Well, there's an elegance, but it's also like right now, Shifu's all frustrated because he doesn't know how to do what he needs to do. But if you think, well, he's going to eventually become Ugui, then we know he's eventually going to come and find actual peace, not just because he gets knocked down next to the pool at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing with Poe. Sure, Poe becomes the dragon warrior, but we also know that's just the beginning. Getting that those amazing skills or knowing yourself or, or understanding yourself is the beginning. Now what do you do? Well, that's eventually going to be at some point he's going to become a teacher and he's going to have students and then eventually he too will find that inner peace. And so there's, I don't know, I'd never noticed it before, but that range of one character split amongst three i thought was really cool and elegant it's interesting especially because and i mean i i know we don't like to talk about movies in the context of their sequels right but the three kung fu panda movies follow that in to a degree the second movie the first movie he's the student right the second movie he's accepted as a master mm-hmm. and the third movie he is a teacher yep I don't know what they're going to do, but that's why I was kind of... I don't know how well a fourth movie is going to work, because I don't, I don't know where you go then. I'm not sure how much I thought the third one worked either, but luckily the third, we're yeah. not talking about that one. No. So, yeah, the symbolism in this story, and that to me, that's the that's a real sign of strong writing. Uh, Hollywood, <clears throat> yeah. especially right now, this is important. Yeah. It, and this is a reason this film made $630 million, is because it's got a good story. Yes, the characters are important, too, and the performances, but the story's important. There's a lot of symbolism in this film, and it's not just those characters. We have the stick. So, Ugwe has this stick that he's carrying. Well, you might say it's an old man using a stick as a prop. He's not. Mm. He actually can use it both to steady himself and as a weapon if need be. But it's also kind of a symbol of his status, his power. And later on, he gives it to Shifu, Master Shifu, which basically means his name is Master Master, but okay. Yeah, yeah. And of course, he's passing it down and saying, no, you're in charge. See, I can prove it. You have the stick. Mm. And then, of course, the stick gets broken. And that's a symbol, too. That's a symbol that the path that you took till now has to branch off. You have to go do something else. And it's a branch, so get it? Aha, a branch. I see what you did there. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. the scroll, the scroll is probably the biggest symbol 
in the entire film. That The scroll I really like. The scroll is the big MacGuffin of the movie, and I like the fact it's nothing. Yeah. It isn't magic. It doesn't give him superpowers. It's just an idea. And I also really like the mirroring that here is this big sacred scroll that everyone knows about, and it has its own temple to itself and all this. And it's exactly the same idea as Mr. Ping's secret ingredient noodle soup. Yep. It's the same thing. It's that there is no secret ingredient. There is no magic. There's just you. It just means that you have to believe. Yep. Just like Parappa the Rapper. (laughs) (laughs) I just really like that balance, the idea that it's both very common wisdom, but it's also this, this supposedly great mystic secret. Well, and it's one of those things that you can say to somebody, and it on its surface is very simple. It's like, oh, I just have to believe in myself. Well, that's easy. Well, no, it isn't. And the problem is you can't fake it. You can't just say, I do this. You either do or you don't. And you don't understand what that is until you get to a certain point in your journey of whatever. It's one of the cool things about the contrast between Poe and Tai Lung. Tai Lung, who's obviously the better trained, but Poe is the one who understands the secret of the Dragon Scroll. And Tai Lung just doesn't get it all. He just thinks he's been cheated again. Yeah. And it, the best part is when, of course, the, the scroll itself is a mirror. That's the point. Yeah. It's got this gold paint on it that is reflective. And, you know, everyone thinks it says, and he even says this, which is very telling. Tai Lung looks at it and says, there's nothing. It's nothing. It's and it's nothing. like, you're yeah. looking at yourself and you see nothing. That's yeah. the problem. And I love it when Poe just says, yeah, it's okay. I didn't get it at first either. It's actually so sweet. He's trying, like, he's trying even at this point. He's trying to help Tai Lung. Yeah. Saying, yeah, I didn't get it either. Let me help you understand this. Yeah, and Tai Lung honestly is empty. There's no, and he's looking for something to fill this void. But you know, I got a I got a plot question for you. Sure. Oh, I bet why it's does, one of mine. Why does Poe fight so hard to keep the scroll away from him? Hmm. He knows it won't actually give him any power. It won't do anything. One with reason could be to continuously. Uh, distract him from doing any more that was, harm. That was what I figured is it was another, it was A, to get him away from Shifu, and B, to give the villagers more time to get out of the area. But also, it's the end punctuation to the sentence of, I believe in myself. If he doesn't have that final bit, even if he believes in himself, there's some part of it that still needs that proof. We get it, but now we need to do it. And to be fair, that's actually one of the things that I liked about this film is that it is a big contrast between studying something, reading about something, thinking about something, and actually doing it. Because Poe has filled his life with Kung Fu. He knows everything about it and the Furious Five, and he knows every issue that an origin (laughs) happened in, all that stuff. But when it comes down to it, all of that means nothing compared Mm. to actually doing the thing. Mm -hmm. And this happens a lot. For folks that I know that are, are actually, quite honestly, wannabe cartoonists, I see this a lot. Because when people, a lot of people I know, as good an artist as they may be, start wanting to do comics, they realize how hard it is yes. <laughs> and how solitary it is. And most people I know can't do it. They just like, I just, I, nope, that's not my yeah. kind of art. Mm-hmm. And you can talk about and plan a comic in your head all you want, but until you actually do it, you haven't achieved anything. Mm. So that's my feeling. My question to you is, how long did Poe train? That's my other question. How long did it really take him to get from prison, prison, you go to prison, prison, (laughs) to the Valley of Peace? Yes. Because it looks like Poe has about a week tops. Mm -hmm. Now, 
This is in keeping with a lot of the Hong Kong movie tradition of martial arts movies. Yes. There's a lot of stuff about, there's, there's the whole mythology of the natural master. Mm-hmm. The person who really does, the idea is that Kung Fu is everywhere. It's in you. You just have to find a way to release it. And off, and the real natural masters are the ones who you can just show them the basics and suddenly they extrapolate it almost instantaneously. They do the same thing, by the way, in Kung Fu Hustle. But <laughs> <laughs> Which actually, was it this or Shaolin Soccer was actually one of the films that inspired this movie. I, I would think Shaolin Soccer because I think that came out I think before. it was Kung Fu Hustle. Oh, Kung Fu Hustle? Yeah. Really? They, okay. lo- they watched a lot of like actual Kung Fu movies, but they also were like, we want this, the humor of Stephen Chow. Mm. So. You, can, you can tell they, that, I mean, this is in many ways a parody, but you can tell it's the best kind of parody. It's a parody by people who love the material, mm-hmm. who love the original. Almost and, as much as Poe does. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, you're right. It was 2004, so it did come out before. Yeah. Well, and originally, I didn't put this into the trivia, the film was going to be uh, a a spoof of kung fu oh. movies they were going to make fun of them mm-hmm. and then one of the directors who i believe was uh asian and uh, asian descendancy said uh what if we just do this like the historical movies like the kung fu movies do why don't we do that instead and thankfully they chose to do that and it, that would that would not have worked as well as just a straight-up parody yeah it might have been funny but it wouldn't be as powerful it wouldn't be 630 million dollars it wouldn't have gotten an oscar nomination yeah i did wonder how long that he had to train because it does come quickly. But you're right; we've seen this. Uh, who's the guy with the long white mustache? I can't. Think oh, uh, oh boy! Five He's, point heart exploding. Yeah. Uh, because he oh, shows God. up in uh, Kill Bill, but he's yes, also like can, that character has. He, he's up a in, trope. He shows up yeah. everywhere. I can't. Pai Mei, Master Pai Mei. Yeah, that's right. It's the same with or like Hattori Hanzo, who yeah. actually shows up as a ninja in other movies. But yeah. Yeah, also shows up in Most uh, Kill Bill. <laughs> yeah, all, but in both cases, played by Sonny Shiba. Uh, going quickly back to the symbols, the symbol, to me, Tai Lung mostly represents failure. And it's not just his failure, it's Chifu's failure. Chifu's failure, yeah. It's the idea of it's mastery is all important. You must learn Kung Fu, not why you have to learn it. I'm, it's not focus on harmony. It's just for him, it's about power. But I want to say it's also a little bit of Ugwe's failure. Because Ugwe merely pronounces, nope, you're not going to be the Dragon Warrior. But he doesn't try to find a way to see if he can become the Dragon Warrior. Yeah, that's a little strange. I don't think it's a little strange, but I think that it's proving that nobody's perfect. Yeah, that's fair. I, you know, the other, you were talking about how long does it take him to get there? Because how long does Poe train? The other thing that kind of bugs me, and again, it's silly to look at realism in a movie where people can fly. <laughs> Tai Lung has been immobilized and chained for 20 years. He hasn't moved, and he's just like, I'm fine. No muscle atrophy, no tendon shrinkage. I can just leap about. He has used the power of kung fu to keep his muscles strong like steel. All I can figure is, yeah, he must have been doing isometrics constantly. Well, another bit of trivia was very small, but that little turtle shell thing he's got on in the prison with the little jade yeah. um, acupuncture needles, yeah. apparently they are specifically set up to go into his, is it chakra points? Chi, chi points. Chi points, so that he can't focus his chi energy uh, and get okay. out. So okay. that's what they're for. That's what that whole thing's it, for. That's the whole thing also with, you know, for anyone who, who isn't a huge fan of kung fu movies. 
the kung fu in this movie is you know absurd and over the top these people can do superhuman things that's also part of the tradition mm -hmm. it's the idea of chi manipulation the idea that you can channel and this is an unbelievable simplification because that's all i've got because that's <laughs> all i understand about this stuff it's about being able to channel spiritual energy into the physical and supposedly if you can do that then you can accomplish miracles the Shaolin monks do this. I've seen them perform. Mm -hmm. They do things that are impossible. I saw a guy balance himself on two index fingers. Your index fingers are not strong enough to do that. They can't. But he did it. Max? Yeah? It's called string. But <laughs> No, no, that was a belt that just happened to go all the way up into the no, no, rafters. Of course, oh, no. there isn't any of that. They actually do that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, it, yeah. You know, that actually, it, they, this is a weird connection, but it reminds me of a Penn and Teller bit. Oh. And it's a bit where they show Teller thrusting his hand into a bear trap and the bear trap closing on his arm. And Teller is saying, at, I'm sorry, Penn is saying at that yeah, time, anything. there's no trick to this. You just have to learn to not care about the pain. Oh. And I bet that's part of it. I wouldn't be surprised. Although I've never seen Penn or Teller do Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs> I had another question. It's sort of just a weird thing. It never struck me before watching it this time. We don't actually see what happens to Tai Lung. No, we don't know the actual effect of the Wuxi finger hold. I mean, Shifu says that the worst part is cleaning up after. Does this make you explode? Does it turn you into a, sha a field of golden light? We don't know. Is he dead? Do you explode with delight? <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. We don't I, know. I don't even know if that's a weakness because it's obvious that he's been beaten mm. by someone and somebody that he does not consider an equal. Oh, he has so no respect for him. ego is crushed. Right? Oh, yeah. But still, you don't want him going around seeking vengeance or causing Are they going to stick him in another prison that will you know he can get out of with a feather? Well, and I thought that was awesome. That's like, that is a total like Kung Fu legendary yep. thing. It's like all it takes for him to get out is a feather. The, his whole escape sequence, I know it's absurd, but it's so much fun to watch. It's it so cool. That, there are a number, the, the action sequences in this mm -hmm. are amazing to watch. Well, I remember when I first saw them, I was just blown away because it's like this, you've made it theatrical kung fu but it's not cartoony somehow even though it's a cartoon well look what it's coming from right it's coming from movies whose action is um b b cartoony <laughs> yeah so yeah i also i like the way people the way they warm up to pose slowly you know initially it's mantis and viper who are helping him after he's been you know beaten up all day and you know and it kind of fits because viper is clearly the kindest one and Mantis understands, like he says, who am I to judge somebody by their size? Because mm -hmm. right, he's tiny. Right. He's a bug, a literal <laughs> insect. Especially the point where he's holding up the entire bridge by himself. I, I'm like, I, like oh, what was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have enough mass for that. Yeah, that just, yep, it, it, again, chi, yeah. I guess. Sure. Although I got to say, this is one of the few movies that is clearly made for children where someone says the word kill. He mm. says, Shifu, he'll kill you. He's talking about Tai Long. Not he'll destroy you or he'll... They In, in kids' movies, you are never supposed to say death, mm -hmm. dead, or kill. And this does. I, and I don't know why. I think, it's, I think it does a great disservice to kids. I think that's just stupid. 
They know what it means. And just throwing somebody off the tower or whatever, yeah. Disney, uh, we all know that they're not coming back. Mm. So in this case, just we can hear him. It's almost a goofy yell <laughs> when Tai Lung falls at the end. We yeah. know he's not dead. Yeah. So, but uh, you know what is, uh, it did come to an end. Yep. Is our show. It did. Should we get there? Let's get there. The finish. And we're here. So, Max. Yeah. So, here's the thing. Yeah. A lot of times when we watch a film, and then a number of years, in this case, 15 years go by, a lot of stuff changes. Our view might change. Cultures yep. change. True. Did How did your opinion of this film change? I love this movie even more. <laughs> I have watched this movie so many times in the last uh, 15 years, and I never get tired of it. Uh, there's always something new for me. Like little things, especially after the sequels, tiny throwaway things. In the dream sequence at the beginning where he's fighting the demons, he's using a jade sword that looks like one of the jade swords the bad guy of the third movie uses. And on his wall, when he's picking up his toys right before he goes down, and he, he has a shuriken throwing wall. Mm-hmm. And he throws a shuriken at it, and of course it bounces off. But there's a drawing of that guy's face. Oh, the yeah, yak or whatever he was, bull yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and I was like, I that's the first first time I've noticed that. And I've seen this movie probably eight nine times. Nine I, I, times. Nine times. I think it really holds up. How about you? Does it still hold up for you? Well, here's the thing. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I was so taken in by your deception. <laughs> I don't know, there's people out there who think that I'm a big grouch and don't like anything, and of course they're very, very wrong. Actually, most of the films I've seen in the theaters li- lately I've liked. Um, the only one I didn't really care for was Mission Impossible, but and I'm sorry, and Indy Jones. But Barbie, Asteroid City, the Turtles movie. Hey, if you like animated films, go see the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. It's a yeah. kick. Okay. No, it. the thing that I didn't realize is because when we watch these films the first time we're paying attention, we're in the theater. And then the other times, quite honestly, more often than not, they're on and then we do other things or we get up for a minute, let it keep going or whatever. So we're not paying as much attention. And when you and I watch movies for this show, we're not only paying attention, we're taking notes. The level of symbolism and that whole bit about there being one character shown in three different ways throughout the same path, I never noticed that before. And that's some pretty deep stuff, especially for a kid's film. Now, somebody could say, well, Mike, you just made that up. That's not actually something the writers did. I don't know. But it's there. It's what you see, so it's part of the movie. Yeah. I like also, there are some remarkably deep Zen Buddhist concepts that are being thrown around in this. Uh You know, there is no, I like, I love everything Uguay says. There's no bad news. There's just news. That is bad news. (laughs) If you don't, oh, okay, he's not using it as a Uh punchline. And that line which I still love, and I quote, the, the past is history, the future is a mystery, no, no, sorry, yes. yesterday is, is, a, is history, tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. The only I thing I have wrong that. with that is that it works in English, but I don't know if it works in any other languages. I'm not sure. Yeah, probably not quite as quite the same way, but it's it's the nature of Zen. There is no past. There is no future. There is only now. And Zul. 
Yeah, there is only Zool, who is <laughs> no, now. I agree. It, it's a really well-delivered line. Actually, everything he's... I love the little discussion he's having with Shuf, Shifu when Shifu's like, I have control. He's like, no, you don't. Well, yeah. What about this peach pit? I could put it in the ground and I can grow a peach tree. Yes, but no matter what you do, it will always be a peach. You cannot make well, it yeah. bear fruit when you want to. You cannot make it do anything. It is still a peach. Yep, you can. You may want an apple or an orange, but you'll get a peach. Or the bit... One of the other things, and I didn't catch this the first time, is Ugwe right at the beginning, one of the lines, and they deliver it as a joke. You say, well, then who is the dragon warrior? I don't know. <laughs> and he, I don't know. He's admitting ignorance, which al most Western philosophy also admits to admit ignorance is the first step toward wisdom. Mm. And Shifu does not start to change until he says at one point, when Poe asks him, how are you going to turn this into the dragon warrior? And he goes, I don't know. Mm-hmm. He admits he doesn't know, and it's right after that that he figures out he can use food to do it. Yeah, it's an amazingly smart story. Yeah, it there, really is. There's depth. It's, it is a kid's film, but I, there's those films here. It's like, well, the whole family can enjoy it. No, anybody can enjoy it, I think, really? anyway. It is, there's just so much going on, and it's so richly told, and it is told with the backdrop of a very interesting and ancient culture. So I'm not at all surprised that the Chinese government went, um, why aren't we doing <laughs> this? Because um, they're doing it's us. So um, it, It's amazing how much dignity a movie with talking animals has. Yeah. So... Yes, Kung Fu Panda, great big yes. Yep, if you haven't big, seen big it in a while, sit down and actually watch it again. Seriously, pay you attention. You more it's, than you think you It's did. worth it. It's not even, you know, it's animated. It's not that long. No. It's barely over 90 minutes. It's worth it. Yep. But, mm. you know what else is worth it? What is worth it? Getting in touch with us for our poll questions. Well, and speaking of animated films, our poll question this week is, who is your favorite animated character? And, Donald uh, Trump. Ugh. Fired. Oh, Bumpy. <laughs> Actually, let's see if Zangief's busy. He's got a, <laughs> well, you know. No, but uh, who is your favorite animated character, and uh, what film in which they portray themselves do you like best? That's oh, yeah, are we, are we doing, uh, you mean, movie animated characters, or well, are we including TV? Let's face it. People are going to put TV in, so I'm not, yeah. I don't care. You yeah. know what? I'm interested in hearing what people yeah. have to say, because quite honestly, when I ask or you ask these very basic, obvious questions, and we think everyone's going to say Bugs Bunny, people pull things from yeah. out of nowhere, and I have no idea what they're going to say. So I don't care. I'm not going to put any, any rules on it. Jokey except Smurf. Sure. <laughs> That's your new nickname. You have to be called that, too. <laughs> So next week on Jokey Smurf Mike Movies. <laughs> no. no, and to give us the answers at the usual ways, of course, you can email us directly at us at maxmikemovies.com. You can go to our website, maxmikemovies.com, to see all of our episodes hermetically sealed for your protection. You can give comments there. You can get into um, Kevin Klein Wars with Max there if you want to. Just don't. He will Kevin doom Klein. us all, the Dark Lord. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook. We have a webpage there at Max Mike Movies. And of course, there's always the podcast app of your choice or anybody's choice that we can find us under Max Mike Movies. Yep. But Kung Fu Panda, it wasn't alone. No, it was not. It there were, <laughs> shall we say, numerous, numerous um, tribute movies, no doubt. <laughs> 
And we're picking one that is probably one of the more notorious ones. Just if nothing else, because the title is so friggin' obvious. It's Chop Kick Panda. Yeah. Chop Kick Chop Panda. Chop Kick Panda. Nothing says LaChoy better than <laughs> Chop Kick Panda. Chop Kick Panda swings American. Yep. Yeah. And uh, who knows? Maybe it'll surprise us. Spoiler alert. I don't think it will surprise us. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. Thank you.